Welcome to his presence. The Lord we have come to meet will meet with us today in Jesus' name. None of us will live here the way we came in Jesus' name. None of us will go home empty-handed in Jesus' name. On March 7th, we started uh, having a discussion on our 16th year anniversary. And we said the number 16 is 8 times 2. And we said eight stands for what? A new beginning. So as we mark our 16th year anniversary as a church, God is giving us a new beginning. Amen. And the Lord gave us three words. Three words. We say a new beginning. A new beginning of number one, consecration and holiness. And that's very important. That is the foundation. As we move forward as a church, as we move forward as a body of Christ, it's very essential that we realize that everything we do must be built upon the foundation of what? Consecration and holiness. The Bible says, Depart ye, depart ye, ye that bear the things of the Lord. Depart ye, touch no unclean thing, be consecrated, be set apart for him. Be holy unto him. Be accounted among his own. Remembering that without holiness. How many will see God? None. We must never forget that, brethren. God will not compromise his standard of holiness for anyone. The fact that everyone is doing it is no excuse for you to do it. Elijah came before the Lord and said, Oh Lord, they've killed all your prophets. None is left. I'm the only one. What did God say? Say, you are not the only one. I have 7,000 prophets in that same land where you are, where you thought you are the only Christian left. I have 7,000 prophets who have not bowed their knees unto idols. In other words, when you think you are the only one, you are not the only one. All around you, there are men and women of God, children of God, striving to live a holy life. Men and women that have made up their mind that this race to heaven is mine to win. And I will not lose on it. You will not lose on it in Jesus' name. Consecration. Holiness. is a time to for you to rededicate your life and yourself to the things of God, to the ways of God. It's a time for you to ask yourself, how did Jesus do it? How will Jesus do it? And whichever direction Jesus has said, is the direction I will take. You will not be found wanting in Jesus' name. So it's a new beginning of consecration and holiness. Number two, it's a new beginning of what? Giving. A new beginning of giving. And what's the third point? A new beginning of? Enlargement. So today, we started talking about that I mean, the, the second aspect, a new beginning of giving. And we know, the Bible says, give and what will happen? It shall be given unto you. Good things. Good measure. Pressed down. Shaking together. 
running over. For with the same measure with which you met shall what? Shall it be given unto you? Luke 6, uh, uh, 6, is it 38? So that's the word of God. The Bible says, bring ye all the tithes into my storehouse, that I may be meat in my storehouse. The Bible says, when you give, you will receive. When we look, when we look at Genesis chapter 8, verses 20 to 22, Genesis 8, 20 to 22. The Bible says, Noah built an ark unto the Lord and took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar and Lord smelled his sweet savour. I pray concerning somebody's offering here. God will smell his sweet savour. I say, God will smell his sweet savour. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again cause the ground anymore for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite anymore, every living as I have done. Verse 22. While the earth remained, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. See? Because of the sacrifice that Noah made, God made a covenant with mankind. I said, some seasons are hereby established. Either there is global warming, global cooling, there will always be winter. Winter could be seven months, it could be five months, it could be three months, but there will be what? There will be winter. There will be summer. It could be three months, it could be ten months. There will be winter, there will be spring, I mean, there will be summer. And then he won't go because there will be seed time and harvest. In other words, for as many as planted, there shall be what? A harvest. And you don't reap something that is separated from what you have planted. Like someone rightly observed. You plant an apple seed. What do you, what do you, what do you harvest? You harvest apple. I don't know maybe after how many years. I don't know how many years it takes for an apple to flower and give you an apple fruit. You plant a mango seed. After a few years, you begin to harvest mango fruits. You plant corn, you reap what? You, reap, you cannot plant corn and reap millet. I don't think millet is something they know in this part of the world. So let's t- to mention something they know in this part of the world. Wheat. You cannot plant corn and harvest wheat. It's not possible. What you plant, what you sow, is what you reap. So the Lord says, seed time and harvest shall not cease. And brethren, as the Lord has instituted it, so is it up till now. When you are enjoined to plant, when you are encouraged to give, all, you are, all that's happening is that you are being encouraged to receive your blessing. You will not miss your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. You will not miss your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. The time you sow is a time of sacrifice. Sowing is sacrificial. When we say bring all your tithes, when you bring in your tithe, it's not because you don't have other obligations. There are times you bring your tithe and your mortgage is not yet complete. There are times you bring your tithe and even maybe your rent, you just have it halfway through. There are times you bring your tithe and you are thinking, what am I going to eat tomorrow? But there is a God that has promised. And if God cannot be faithful in your situation, I assure you no, other, no human being can be. But the Bible says, let all men be what? Let all men be liars. 
But let God be. God cannot. That, that's what he said. He said, by two immutable things. By which what? God cannot lie. That is established. He cannot lie. He has never lied before. And in your situation, God will not be made a liar in Jesus' name. In other words, your situation will not make God a liar in Jesus' name. So, we said, we began to ask ourselves a question this morning. Why is it that Christians that give their tithe, Christians that, they give, why is it that they, 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 have, they, they have financial hardship? God said, if you bring in the tithe, I will open the windows of heaven. How come they bring their tithe religiously, faithfully? They bring in their offerings. They contribute to church projects. And yet, it looks as if they are struggling financially from year to year. And I said, a man of God wrote a book that talks about six pillars. Six pillars of, uh, 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 how, did, how did he put it? Six pillars of uh, principles of financial success. Principles of financial success. And we began to look at these principles in the morning. The first principle is pray for God's favor and blessings in your work. Isn't that simple enough? You'll be surprised at how many people don't pray that prayer. All we pray about is God should take care of our boss. This guy is giving me stress. And you know what? At times you need that boss that is giving you stress for you to go to a higher level. Because if your boss does not make things difficult for you where you are, you build a tent there, build a temple there, and say this is where you are going to die. Just like uh, Peter on the Mount of Configuration. He said, ah, master, this is wonderful. Let's build tents here. One for Elijah, one for, uh, one for Moses, and one for you. Is that what Christ came to do? To build a tent and live on the mountain? No. Many of us, the difficulties we are having at work is because you need to move to the next level. The prayer you ought to pray is the prayer for favor. The prayer for divine favor. Not before man, but before who? Because if you find favor with God, you will find favor with man. And I pray for someone here today, you will find favor with God in Jesus' name. So we say the first point is pray for God's favor and blessing on your work. And we are lighted the Father, when you are diligent, God, will, God always blesses diligence. He sets you apart. He makes men to see that you are diligent. We talked about uh, uh, Joseph. Because of God's favor upon his life, in the midst of hatred all around, Joseph excelled. You will excel in Jesus' name. I said you will excel in Jesus' name. The second point on that list is your tithes and offering. And we cannot overemphasize this. That man called it 10% plus some. That is not just 10%. You know where, you see, God does not need your tithe. True or false? Some people are not sure. God does not need your tithe. True or false? True. God does not need your tithe. And that is the truth. But you see, you do need to pay your tithe to prove your allegiance to God. Very two key things. He doesn't need your tithe. But you need to bring your tithe to do what? To show your allegiance to who? To God. 
To show that God is first in your life. Because your tithes first will show that God is priority in your life. Rather than every other thing before get the remnant, if any. And you know what? When your own principle is everything I'm dead, whatever is left, I will make sure that uh, the first among the last is God. God himself will make sure that nothing is left. So that you can have a good excuse not to bring in your tithe into the storehouse. And God has a good excuse to be looking at you. I pray for someone here today, God will not abandon you. I say God will not abandon you in Jesus' name. We cannot overemphasize the issue of tithe and offering. And you will see in the ne- I mean, from the next point I'm going into, your tithe is just 10%. Right? When you do bring it, he said, I will open the windows of heaven. So why is it that people bring their tithe and yet they are, they are, they are struggling financially? Number one, we say pray for favor. Number two, we say bring in your tithe. Number three, which is where uh, many are, are, are defaulting is you need to save money and reduce your debts. You need to do what? Save money and reduce your debts. Some people will tell me that you can't combine the two. That it's not possible for you to say, okay, with my income of maybe $2,000 per month, how can I bring tithe? How much tithe do I bring out of $2,000? How much was my tithe out of $2,000? $200. How can I give a tithe of $200? They will remove tax from it, and then you are now saying I should save and then reduce my debt. Because I can assure you, if we analyze all of us sitting down here today, apart from the children who have no, nothing else but to just eat on their parents, go to school and come back and complain. If we analyze all the adults here today, not a single person will be here who has no debt. Prove me wrong. Unless you just came to Canada and you've not started, you have no obligations. <laughs> Amen? Either from your credit card, or from your maybe mortgage, or from uh, school. Is that not so? You, I mean, what do they call that? Thing? Student loan, OSAP. And one way or the other, we have accumulated debts to the point at which we are. I remember, I think I, I was telling at the, the first service, I have many testimonies, but when I, some things that I call testimonies, they are just things I used to caution people to be careful. When I got to Canada, you know, I got one mail in the box one day, and he says, forget about housing, forget about, I mean, you know, the housing market, the market is very well, that you can make wealth in housing, and it's true. But this mail I got says, it's a booklet. Forget about housing. Forget about it. The best way to make money is through trading of commodities. And I read it, and the thing looked very inviting. And I went for it big time. And I lost money big time. <laughs> Some people make money from me. But the thing is, you want to trade in commodities, you need to be a professional. But the impression they will give you is that anybody can go into it. That was my introduction to debt in Canada. When I finished, I got credit card, I emptied it, take the money, put it into my trading account. You see, you see the way uh, commodities trick you. The, a report will come out tomorrow. The report will be on the state of corn in the United States. Um, commodities are normally traded in U.S. currencies. And then already you are hearing some things that, okay, they say uh, in the Midwest there is uh, uh, fam- I mean, what do you call it? drought. 
So the corn they are planting there is drying. So it may not tassel very well. And we're expecting a USDA report tomorrow. So people will go and okay. So people make it a principle. Don't ever buy commodities before the reports come out. But those of us that are greedy, if the report comes out and they say we're expecting a hundred bushel per acre, but because of the drought, it will fall down to 80 bushel per acre. What happens? The price of corn will just jump. And your account will be green. <laughs> Welcome to money. On one contract, you could see you are making 5,000 US dollars just that day. But you know, instead of you to sell the tea and keep your profit, what will you do? You expect that tomorrow it will become 10,000. Lo and behold, tomorrow, all the 5,000 is gone. <laughs> so, professionals know how to handle the market. You are not a professional. They just tell you, come. It's where the thing is happening. Before I knew it, all my, credit card, all my credit card money that I put there, it was gone. And so you have to now start working to do what? To pay off those debts. To now start looking. It becomes stressful. But see what they are saying here. Save money and reduce your debts. And I remember that first experience. When it was all said and done, I had to do what they call debt consolidation. I remember it very well, like yesterday. The total debt I put together was $54,000. Debt to not uh, asset to. So if I had just been collecting my salary, paying my tithe, I never miss my tithe, paying my tithe and putting my money in a savings account. You can imagine how rich I would have been for doing nothing. So for five good years of my life, I was paying off that 54000 I paid it off. I mean, they were, I consolidated the account, and I said I would pay it off in five years. I was still working with TD, so I could do it. But that was a, a lesson for me. But one good thing came out of it. I knew it's possible. Tell somebody it's possible. If you have a debt of 54000 it's not mortgage, unless you have to pay it off in five years. And it's not as if life is stopping. You have other obligations. I still have my mortgage. I have my family, I have my children. I have every other thing you have to pay. But God did it. So, I've come to realize one thing. The only difference between if you can do it and you cannot do it is your self-discipline. Is your what? It's your self As a child of God. You make up your mind you want to do it. You table it before the Lord. God will help you. But if you want to do it at the expense of your obligations to God, you will struggle. And I know what I'm saying. You will do what? You will struggle. Because you, it becomes a mountain that will not disappear. I remember the day I paid it off. And I bless the name of the Lord. It was fully paid. Now let's go to the scriptures. There is something called an economic cycle. That's co it's called what? Economic. economic cycle. And it was initiated in the time of Joseph. Do you remember the economic cycle in the time of Joseph? Anybody? Seven, how many years? Seven years of what? Seven years of abundance, followed by what? Now, during the seven years of abundance, what was the advice that Joseph gave to Pharaoh? And that is the advice that every one of us have to imbibe. In Genesis chapter 41, verse 
29 to 31, you see where Joseph was saying, there will be seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt. And in verse 30, he said, there shall arise after them seven years of famine. And the plenty will be forgotten as if it never existed. Now go to verse 34. Genesis chapter 41, verse 34. He says, let Pharaoh do this. Let him appoint officers over the land. And take up what? What does it say in your Bible? Take up. Take up. What is the meaning of, what is the, meaning of the fifth part? And what is, what, what is that in simple man's language? Yes? One fifth, one, it's 20%. That's what I want to hear. <laughs> Amen. Is what? So, the advice that Joseph gave to Pharaoh, which Pharaoh took in, internalized and obeyed, is take 20% of all the goods of Egypt in the time of plenty and put it in a storehouse. So that when the time of lack comes, when the seven years of plenty goes by and the seven years of lack arises, you begin to take out of the storehouse those 20%. Is somebody with me? Am I talking to myself? Do you understand what I'm saying? There was an economic cycle, a time of plenty. And Joseph advised Pharaoh, take 20% of the income of Egypt. And save it. And when the time of uh, uh, famine comes, then begin to live on the 20% you have saved. Brethren, that's an advice for you and I in our present times. Save 20% of your income in times of plenty so that when the time of lack will come, and it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a matter of when, it's not if, you will be able to go back and draw back, draw down on that 20%. You will agree with me that where every one of us is today, it's difficult to say, of course, except for those who have not yet started working. It's difficult for you to say, okay, beginning from today, I will start saving 20%. Am I right? If it's, going, if it's easy for you from today, you will be saving 20%. Let me see your hands up. Definitely not me. So I know what I'm saying. But the issue is this, that you make up your mind that from today onwards, every income that I have, I will give my tithe and I will save. I will begin to save whatever. $5 every month. Do you know $5 every month is a lot of money? Do you realize that? You know, the pro problem with many of us is we, we what, what does, how does the Bible say the Bible says, who has, who has despised the days of small beginning? We despise the idea of saying, how can I be saving $20 every week? What is $20? Do you know $20 per week? How many weeks are in a year? 50, 52. 20 times 52 is what? Is what? One, what, what does that mean? $1,040. So if you save $20 every week, at the end of the year, you have saved how much? You know, like one of my children was talking to me yesterday. She wanted us to buy something. Say, oh, it's just $4. Yeah, it's just 
If you steal four dollars, you will know it's a lot of money. When you save twenty dollars every week and you have one thousand and forty at the end of the first year, and it's not that you go and withdraw and spend it to say, Ah, now I have tried. By the end of the second year, how much do you have? You have 2,080 without looking at either you invested the first 1,000 or you, you are earning interest, whatever it was doing, whatever it was doing. Am I making any sense? That is the point. So, Joseph advised Pharaoh, let's save 20% of what we have in the land. That maybe that's my target. I want, to be, I want to get to a point where I'm saving what? 20%. But until I get there, I will start by saving 2%. Is that doable or not? Somebody is not answering me. Just suspend your monthly McDonald's visit. Because I mean, I am being generous when I say monthly. Is that not so? Yeah, I'm being generous. Do you realize that that thing, that McDonald's thing that they sell for ten dollars? You know how many bags of rice ten dollars will buy? Is that not so? Uh uh which way are they cooking their own beef that you cannot cook it at home? Ah, my sister said even better. So now if you suspend going to McDonald's, don't worry, they won't pack up because of you. But they are making their own meals. You, you should make yours. If you suspend going to McDonald's for that because you want to save that $20, one day you will look back and you will thank God that you started somewhere. Am I making any sense? So what you need to do, number one, we said, pray for God's favor on your work. Number two, we said, pay your tithe, 10% plus. Number three, we said, save money and do what? Reduce your debt. Save money and reduce your debt. It's very important. There are so many ways. I just made, gave an example of, uh, I mean, many of us, cable is good, though. I have it, though. But I'm, I'm going to use that as an example. You have cable at home. You don't watch it. The few days you watch it, it is bad news they are giving you. Because you watch it, you can't even sleep. On top of that, you are paying for it. When you count how much you have paid for it at the end of the year, you will wonder, this thing, the more I listen to it, the, more, the sicker I become. The more I have this, I can, the more I cannot achieve my goals. Why do I have it? Is somebody listening to me? There will come a point in time that if you want, you can have 10 cable accounts. But if you don't save and you are spending, you will never save. I know credit cards are cheap. Oh. It's very cheap. It's very easy. I can tell how many credit cards I have. They encourage you to spend. But you realize that nothing that you spend is free. You pay for it for the rest of your life. God help you if you miss one payment. Not because you, didn't, you don't have the money, but you forgot. The money is in your account to pay, but you forgot. They will go and increase your interest rate from 20% to 25%. And many of us don't realize it. You keep paying interest. But they've already increased your interest rate from 20% to 25%. Go and check your MasterCard interest. Uh, uh, if you have ever missed a payment and you paid it off, 
they have increased your interest rate. But we don't check. And the more you pay, the more you owe. Why? The interest rate has gone up on it. Save money and reduce your debt. Is there in the Bible? That was the advice that uh, 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 Joseph gave Pharaoh. Pharaoh obeyed. You, can, you may not be able to start with 20%. You, we all know the ants, right? We all know ants. Many of us here are from Africa. We see ants, in fact, even in the church here, we see ants. If, if you put cake on the floor, you don't need to write a letter to them. Just leave the cake there, they will show up. They are very diligent. The Bible says, go to the ants. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6 to 8. It says, go to the ants, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. They have no guide. They have no overseer. They have no ruler. But they provide meat in summer and gather food in the harvest. That is an ant. You are better than an ant. Tell somebody you are better than an ant. Now tell the person, I am better than an ant. You just make up your mind. I know there are debts to pay. There are things to do and all that. Do you know what you make up your mind God will help you to do? That man, he, said, he made a statement, and I put it down. He said, excuses are for immature and lazy people. And I agree. Excuses are for what? We are talking about financial, our financial situations now. It's your finances. It's my finances. It's the way I'm approaching my finances. If God wants to make you a millionaire, if you don't lay the right foundation, he knows that if he gives you a million dollars today, what will you do with it? You will squander it. Instead of you being a testimony to God, you'll be a liability. They will say, ah, look at that one. It goes to church. He got a million dollars. We don't even know what he did with it. That will not be your portion in Jesus' name. But if you lay the right foundation and you build upon it without giving any excuses, you must be ready to do anything to reduce your expenses and get savings. And I already gave the example. If you have to cut your cable, whatever you need to do. The Bible says in Proverbs 22, 7. Proverbs 22, 7. It says, the rich ruleth over the poor. The borrower is servant to the lender. Do you know everyone from whom you borrow money is your boss? Do you realize that? Tell somebody, everyone. From whom you borrow money. It's your boss. You, 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 think, you don't think so? That car you are driving, that is on higher purchase, that's what we call it in Africa. What do they call it here? Lizardy. That car you are driving on higher purchase. I'm not saying we don't, we don't buy thing, our, our music instruments. We, we, are, we are leasing them. So don't get me wrong. But I'm trying to talk of the discipline we need to bring in. By God's grace, we are going to pay this thing off by March next year. It will be fully owned by the church. So we have a plan in place, and we are working towards it. But the, the vehicle you are, you are leasing, the day you will know the owner is the day you do what? You miss a payment. They will locate, is that you will know that there is a tracking device on that vehicle. They will locate where it is, 
and they will pick it up. Before you know it, it's with the person that, that owns the vehicle because it doesn't belong to you. That's why I said, who's everybody you owe money is what? It's your boss. Just miss their payment. Then you realize that they, they exist in real fact, in dollar sense. That's very important. Now, there's something I want us to take note of. There are some things we say, ah, we are some, in fact, so at times we take offense because of this. Financial matters in the church. Proverbs 22, 26 to 27. I'm going to round up soon. Proverbs 22, 26 to 27. Proverbs 22, 26 to 27. Listen very well. He said, Be not thou one of them that strike hands, or of them that are sorties for debt. That are what? That are what? You better learn from other people's mistakes. Because if you don't, you will learn from your own mistake and it will be too late. It will ruin you. You will not be ruined in Jesus' name. I learned from others. One of our pastors, very good friend of mine, a lady wanted to buy a car. She went and met pastor. Pastor, I want to buy this car uh, because of this. They want a co somebody to co-sign. And pastor, in his naive good goodness, he went and co-signed with the lady to buy the car. The lady was <laughs> deported to Nigeria. <laughs> the car was abandoned somewhere. Of course, you know, immigration, if they are looking for someone, wherever they find you, they don't care. They apprehend the person, and that is it. So, she was deported. And now, it was left on pastor to pay off the car he did not use. Is somebody with me? The Bible says, do not be of them that are sorties for debts. Verse 27 says, if thou hast nothing to pay, why should he take away thy bed from under thee? And that's exactly what happens. You want to go and co-sign for someone who wants to buy something who does not have enough funds or money to do it. Don't do it. I know you will say, oh, it is a, you are not being a good Christian brother, whatever. I'm reading what the Bible says. And I'm talking from experience. You don't wish anyone evil. You are not yet able to pay for it. Save for it. Tell somebody, save for it. As if you mean, say, save for it. Maybe somebody, maybe I believe God is going to save someone from the words I'm speaking today. Because it's something that ordinarily I won't say. Ah, but I'm seeing it here in the scriptures. It's very important. There's a parable in the scriptures. We don't have much time. We don't have much time. Hmm. Amen. The Bible says, when that uh, land, maybe we'll get to it next week. When it was going, it gave to each one according to his ability. And that tells you one thing. That when you enlarge your mental capacity, you get to a point that you can do what you could not previously do. Does that make sense? When you enlarge your mental capacity, 
What you couldn't previously accommodate or receive to function with, you now get to a point where you can receive and function with it. So in a place where you would have been given one talent before, because you have now enlarged your capacity and your ability, you are now given how many? Five. To work with. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 to 10, as we round up, says, Honor the Lord with your substance, with the first fruit of your increase. So shall your bands be filled with plenty, and your presses shall burst out with new wine. Your savings will burst out with, with interest and, and divine increase in Jesus' name. There's only one thing you need to pray for. Pray for wisdom. Pray for wisdom. Because when you have wisdom, it will open the door for you to obtain riches. We'll continue next week. We're still talking about the second promise that the Lord gave us. Giving. I want to look at it from the angle of not just say give, give. But why do some of us give? And it looks like there's no, there's no result. And I'm sure from what we have said so far, many of us have picked on some very important keys. Because in a year's time, I want wonderful testimonies. Amen. Whose testimony will be the greatest? Mine will be the greatest in Jesus' name. I'm praying for myself. You better pray for yourself. My testimony will be the greatest in Jesus' name. We just need to observe these simple, simple principles and let God's name be glorified. God wants to do it. Once he has promised, and we adhere to that which he has spoken unto us. His name will be glorified in our lives in Jesus' name. Let's bow down our heads. Let's bow down our heads.